0: Hello, church. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I welcome you to this time of worship together as we join in fellowship, even online. We are still united through Christ our Lord. On behalf of the Village Church, I encourage you to be a part of this church in any way that you're able to. We have Bible studies that are both online. We have some outside, social distancing that welcome you to be a part of that. You can go on our web and find out about that. If you'd like to reach out to our senior pastor, Jack Baca, he can be reached at jackb.villagechurch.org and we encourage you to talk with him and just share with him anything that's on your hearts or mind. Also, we have an opportunity to receive prayer requests from you. So if you go on the church website, you will see an announcement on there that allows you to write prayer requests or kept confidential, but we pray for you. We care for you. We want to be a part of supporting you in your life. Now, today, is the on November the 8th is our final day for our traditional fall generosity campaign. And we've had a harvest of hope. Many of you have already turned in your pledges for the year and some are forthcoming and we thank you so much for that. Our elders and leaders are able to figure out what it is that we could do in the life and the ministry of the church based on the pledges that are given. So I encourage you to please send those pledges in if you have not already done so. There are a number of things coming up in the next month. The first is our alternative Christmas market. This is a time for you to give to our mission partners. And on November the 21st, right outside, In the parking lot, in the beautiful area, in the shaded tree areas, you're going to see candy canes and signs and an opportunity to pick up a booklet that shares all about our mission partners and also allows you to bring some candy for some of our local missions that we support, Urban Life, Urban Youth Collaborative, San Diego Rescue Mission, Care House. These are some of the areas that have a great ministry to children. We just want to give them some candy. And we also want to give to you an Advent wreath kit. So you can collect those when you come. If you need more information, it's on our website, but we look forward to seeing you. We also have a number of student ministry activities that are coming up in late November where they're serving at Interfaith. And also they are going to have another drive-through coming up on December the 12th to collect close for our New Day Urban Ministry. So look for more of that. In December, as we do every year, we have a service called Blue Christmas. It is in remembrance of those who we have lost, either this past year or in the years previous. Everyone is invited to that. This year it is online. It begins at 9 a.m. If you would like more information, please contact me, Jana F. at villagechurch.org. And then uh, the other thing I want you just to plan ahead right now is for a very village. Christmas, which is on December the 5th. In the evening, we'll have Christmas tree lighting. Everything will be outside, safe, but a fun time to fellowship and be together. Now, many of you may be wondering why I have these flags behind me. One is our Christian flag. We have our citizenship in heaven, first and foremost, above all else. But also today, we want to remember our veterans. I have the American flag, though this flag represents not only America, but any veteran who served in their country throughout the world. These are folks who have given their lives to fight for our freedom. And we want to honor all those who serve in America. We have the Army, we have the Air Force, we have the Coast Guard, we have the Navy, we have the Marines. Normally we have you stand up. If you were at home and if you were a veteran and you wish to stand, thank you, thank you. God bless you for serving our nation through the armed services. Will you now please join me in the call to worship from Psalms 106. Praise the Lord, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty doings of the Lord or declare all his praise? Happy are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us worship God.
1: prophet Isaiah reminds us that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Therefore we confess our sin before God in humble repentance and in hopeful trust in his promised forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord, though you should guide us, we inform ourselves. Though you should rule us, we control ourselves. Though you should fulfill us, we console ourselves. We think your truth too high, your will too hard, your power too remote, your love too free. But they are not. And without them, we are of all people most miserable. Now heal our confused minds with your word. Heal our divided wills with your law. Heal our troubled consciences with your love. Heal our anxious hearts with your presence. All for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Now with those who may be with you, please share signs of peace and then share Christ's peace as you greet people
2: throughout the week.
3: Good morning, Kids Village, and welcome back to week two of the month of November. We're going to continue our conversation about our word gratitude for this month. And for this morning, we're going to talk about one person in particular who really showed what it meant to have a grateful heart in a scary moment. Our person for this morning is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we often hear a lot about Mary during the Christmas season, but especially in this month when we talk about what it means to have a thankful heart, Mary is such a great example of this. And for our story this morning, I have these two little stickies that we would normally use on crafts here in the classroom. This one represents the angel that came and spoke to Mary, and here we have Mary. In our story, which comes from Luke 1, we learn that the angel of the Lord told Mary that she was going to become pregnant and have baby. Jesus. This was a moment where Mary was not prepared. She was scared. She probably felt alone and sad. And as you read through Luke one, we find out that Mary ended up having a very grateful and thankful heart. She praised God and said, thank you, God, for giving me this opportunity to serve you and show other people your love in a tough moment. Where can you show God's love and have a thankful heart in your life? Maybe there are tough moments that are happening right now. Uh, Maybe there's something that you're going to come up against and you can be reminded that God is with you and he wants us to have a thankful heart. This in turn will be seen by other people and they will see the heart that you have and they will go, what does that person have? And you can tell them that you have Jesus. Jesus is the one that encourages us and helps us to have that thankful heart. We miss seeing all of you, and we will see you back here for week three of the month of November. Bye-bye.
1: On this Stewardship Commitment Sunday, as we bring our pledges of generous financial stewardship before God, let us commit ourselves to his work through this litany. Join me as we pray. Almighty God, who has been our help in ages past and is our hope for years to come, we gather our voices into one to tell of your glory, to offer our gratitude for your blessings, and to proclaim our confidence in your future provision. Hear us now as we say together, in hope we give you thanks. O God, we thank you for this good earth that is our home. It abundantly provides all that we need, and it daily reminds us that you are the source of all good things. We look forward to each and every day, and to experiencing your grace in them all. In hope, we give you thanks. O God, we thank you for the gift of life itself and for the days and years you have given us and in which we have enjoyed your blessings of love. As we remember our past, we look forward to days and years ahead and we commit ourselves to use them wisely. In hope, we give you thanks. O God, we thank you for families who have loved us, mentors who have taught us, friends who have encouraged us, and communities who have nurtured us. As we call to mind the important people of our lives, we commit ourselves to be of service and help to others. In hope, we give you thanks. O God, we thank you for the abilities you instilled in each of us, and for the will and energy to develop and use them for our own sakes, as well as for the sake of others. As we list these capabilities unique to us, we commit ourselves to finding new avenues for their expression. In hope, we give you thanks. O God, we thank you for entrusting us with financial resources by which we care for ourselves and for others. As we count these valuable assets that we control, we commit ourselves to their faithful and generous use for the good of others, and especially for the work of your kingdom that has come into the world through Christ. In hope, we give you thanks. O God, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest, and even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. We commit our pledges, our tithes, and our offerings to you, that all may be blessed with the abundance of your love. In Christ we pray. Amen.
2: The sure and certain hope that in life and death we belong to God. This is an opportunity for us to lift up our prayers to the Lord. I'll offer a pastoral prayer on our behalf, and then I'll invite all of us to close with the words of the Lord's Prayer. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. God, who is our refuge and our strength, the light of our salvation, the Lord of heaven and earth, in a world that seems to have gone crazy and lost its way, we come to you this morning not just seeking answers, but seeking strength and courage for the days ahead. We pray for courage to be the people whom you have called us to be, people who seek justice and peace through your love for all of your people. We struggle with questions that seem to have no answers and problems that have insurmountable solutions. We seem to be a deeply divided people, but as we look and listen to people around the world, so many seem divided and at war with one another, either through words or worse, through guns and killing. Surely, we humans must test your patience, but we know that your love is all-encompassing, never-ending, always forgiving. This is our hope, that you love us unconditionally, for we know and struggle with our imperfections and our shortcomings, knowing all the while that in the end, it is you who loves us the most and is always there waiting for us. You are our hope for the world, and it is in this hope that we live and move and have our being. God, this morning, we lift up our families and friends, our hosts, our households and communities, and all of our loved ones. Give them and us strength and courage for the days ahead. Help us to find ways to not alienate people, to affirm all of your people. Surely, we know that you love us all and consider each one of us important and a part of your creation. Help us be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to be the life and love of the world. This morning, we lift up those in our congregation who are sick or hurting in any way. Give them peace and strength to face their conditions. Give strength to the addicted and healing. Comfort those who are victims of violence. Help us find ways to feed the hungry. God, we ask you to help us to be change agents in this world. Give us courage to share your love to listen to one another, and to lead by example, showing and speaking with respect to others. Bless your churches everywhere, that the gospel of Jesus Christ may be proclaimed in word and in deed. All these things we ask in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Christ, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
4: I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to do. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse. It's broken people up exactly who you use. So give me faith like Daniel. I'm gonna trust you and give you everything I'll be a conqueror cause you'll fight for me I'll be a champion and play me Won't stop until I see them fall. I'm gonna stand up, step out when you call, Jesus, Jesus. I'm gonna sing and shout and shake the walls. Won't stop until I see them fall. I'm gonna stand up, step out when you call, Jesus. my Giants with all
5: prepare to present the word, please join me in a prayer for illumination. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. From the book of Esther, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hatak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews." Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hatak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying,
6: All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for 30
5: days." When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther Do not think in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go,
6: gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish.
5: Mordecai then went away, and did everything as Esther had ordered him.
6: And from the letter to the Philippians, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss, because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. The word of the Lord.
0: As we turn to the word of God now, I want you to know that I do not know the results of the election. I record far before Sunday morning. So if you know, you know far more than I do. What I do know is that God is in control. Let his grace and mercy guide us in all we do through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of Lord, and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Esther is one of the two books of the Bible that have women's names, kind of an an intriguing thing, but I was interested in this text because it was so timely for all the things that are going on, it seems to me. We think we know about our plans. We think we have everything in order, and then things change. Need I say any more about mid-March? No matter what we had going at that time, things change. How do we as believers live out our lives, whether in a time of great peace and stability or a time when the world is just topsy-turvy? Economically, politically, socially, spiritually, physically, What's going on right now is so different than what we experienced 10 months ago. But what God is calling us to do is to ask the question, Lord God, how might you use me in such a time as this? Now, I'd like to give you just a quick refresher on Esther. And uh, just many of you know the story, but maybe some of you do not. Esther is written at a time when Persian kings were in control. And the word of God is never mentioned in terms of God's name in this book, yet it's full of faith, it's full of courage, it is about the covenant of God with his people it's about God's people, the Jews, in a time of great turmoil and great um, pressure because of one evil being. It is the story about Jews being oppressed by an evil person and the victory through those who would be obedient to their call. Will you please pray with me? Gracious and holy God, as we look to the scripture, Again, and as we go through this story, may your Holy Spirit guide us. May we know more clearly what it is you're saying to us in this time that seems so difficult with everything going on. You're at the center, God. Help us to see that again fresh today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Esther begins with a very wealthy king of Persia. His name is Ahasuerus, that is the Hebrew name, in Greek it's Xerxes, which I would really prefer to use, but he's a king of Persia and he has tons of wealth and he wants to display it. So he invites all the people of value, all the people that he considers of value, all the people of influence, all the people of wealth, just to show off his kingdom. He takes 180 days of parading back and forth, all that he owns and all that he has. And in the midst of this, there's a lot of, of merriment, a lot of food and wine that flows, and in fact, so much that the king, marry with wine, which is a euphemism for drunk, along with all the other men who were there and probably were also drunk, he decides he's going to call his queen Vashti. Now Vashti is a very, very beautiful woman. She is the queen of Persia, and he calls her to come and display herself and her royal crown for these drunks. Now, Queen Vashti refuses. She just says to the servant who comes to get her, I'm not going. Now, something that's important to know is that normally parties were given, the men were in one place, the women, like she gave her own, um women who were there a party it was separate but the men had their own party until later and then women of ill repute prostitutes would come later after they had had a lot to eat and a lot to drink and after they were merry with wine so for her to come at that time brings her no honor there is no dignity to her or even the office of a queen to come for a drunken king to be displayed before drunken men. She refuses. It cost her her crown, and the king gets together with a bunch of other guys, and they decide after that that they're going to have very, very strict rules, that women must be incredibly obedient to their husbands, no questions asked. Now, I I can't help but ask the question, have you ever been in a situation where someone in authority has asked you to do something that's dishonorable or doesn't look like anything close to dignity. How have you responded? What have you done? For Queen Vashti, her dignity and her honor meant she would refuse. Now, this is written long before Jesus walked the face of the earth. But when we read earlier uh, in Philippians about Paul's call in his life, I cannot help but just be reminded of what he said in the passage. Paul writes, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. See, for Paul, it was giving up all other things to do what was right. Right. And that was to follow Christ, the real truth. So my first lesson for us is to do what is right, acknowledging it likely could cost you. It might cost you your life. It's a high price. To do what the king asks, was a horrible thing. So the Book of Esther comes to show us that following a king like that is, is not what we want to do. We want to do the good thing, the right thing. Now the king needs a queen, he needs a new queen, and so he decides he's going to go out and have everybody bring the most beautiful maidens, the most beautiful virgins, the most beautiful young women in the world so that he could pick his next queen. And of course, this is when the person Mordecai, who is the uncle of Esther, comes into play. Now, Mordecai was an influ- influential person. He had adopted her, she had no parents, and so she was under his care. Esther was a wonderful young child, wonderful young woman. She did exactly as he, as he asked her to do. She followed his instructions and he brought her to the king's palace to be one of those who might be chosen by the king, but told her, do not tell people that we are Jews, for Mordecai and Esther were Jews. She was obedient. She did not ever say that she was a Jew, but she indeed caught the eye of the king. He thought she was beautiful and wise and and just. They just had this kindred spirit, and so he made her queen and brought her in to his court. And she is there, to be with the king. And at the very end of chapter two, when she is crowned king, Mordecai is just outside the king's gate, and he hears these two servants of the king's plotting to kill the king. And so Mordecai tells Esther. Esther goes to the king on behalf of Mordecai and says, Mordecai heard about these guys who are trying to kill you. So the king's life is saved because of Esther and Mordecai, and that helps Mordecai into a great position. Everything is going well. We have a new queen. We have Mordecai, who is an influential person. And then we hit chapter three. And in chapter three, you have this incredibly evil person who comes into play. It disrupts and changes everything. A conflict between Mordecai and this new king's chief official, Haman, is escalated into a royal decree that Haman convinces the king to put out, and that is to have all Jews exterminated, kill them all. He did it because Mordecai refused to bow down to him. He refused to let him be more than he should be, and it infuriated Haman. So now the Jews are at risk. So you go from this wonderful situation in chapter 2 to this horrific situation in chapter 3 and then into the scripture that Rick and Corinna read for us this morning. Mordecai is mourning. He and his people are in real threat, and he has done what is typical of the Jewish tradition. He has rendered his clothes. He has put on ash cloth. He is outside the king's gates. You cannot go in an ashcloth to the king. So he's out there and he is crying and he is wailing and all the Jews are beginning to cry and they are fasting and they are praying and Esther hears about it. And so Esther is thinking, well, if I just get him clothes, take these clothes out to Mordecai so that he can come into me maybe and tell me what's going on. Mordecai absolutely refuses to do that. Instead, Mordecai sends a message, a message that he needs our help. Now, most of us have been in a time in our life when we've mourned something. We've either mourned a loss or an injustice, a time when we cry out to God for God's help. And that's exactly what Mordecai was trying to do. He was distraught. You know, we just mentioned our veterans earlier And I know that there is at least one still living congregant in Village Church who served during World War II. World War II was a war to stop an evil man, a man who not only wanted to take over countries, but was in the business of annihilating an entire race of people, God's people, the Jews. Many of us have parents or grandparents who are very familiar with World War II and the horrific things that went on. We mourn. Mordecai so wants to stop Haman and he's at a loss and he's mourning. And so he sends a message back to Esther and asks Esther to please help. He wants her to risk everything. Really, and go to the king. Go to the king and plead with him. Now, Esther, who is this obedient child who does everything she's supposed to do, hasn't seen the king in a while. Now, this should tell you something. When she responds to him, she goes, You know, if you go to the king without permission, you could be killed. You only get to go when he invites you. And by the way, he hasn't invited me in about 30 days. Now, this is a king who has, in my opinion, an insatiable appetite. He's got concubines, he's got food, he's got wine, he's got price. he's got all that he needs. Maybe he's grown weary of the beautiful Queen Esther or just forgotten about her. Even Proverbs warns us, don't go to see royalty on a flippant whim or thinking you could just be there. These are are people of great uh, power and it could not go well for you. So she is hesitant to go and send that back to Mordecai. I could risk my life going. Mordecai responds in a very straightforward manner. First, he said, you will not escape if you do not go and help. And if you don't go, relief will arise from somewhere else. Mordecai does not use the holy name Yahweh, or God. He doesn't utter it, as in the word God is not anywhere in the scripture but he is confident that God will indeed raise up somebody to come and save them. If it's not you, that is a courage of faith that Mordecai had. And then secondly, he said, Perhaps you are in the place in which you are right now for such a time as this. Again, without specific reference to God, you have a sense of intentionality in his courage of faith. Mordecai makes an appeal. Now here's a second lesson. Let me repeat the first. The first is that to do what is right, we have to acknowledge that it likely could be at high risk, at a high price. In this case, it could cost you your life. Here's the second lesson. Trust in God who is sovereign. The sovereignty of a God is a refuge, especially in times of trouble. We know that scripture. God has us in the shelter of his arms. We can know our God is with us through every trial. Mordecai knew that about God. Mordecai knew that God is Lord over all things. God will not, cannot fail to keep his promises, his covenant, to his people. So Mordecai's belief is, Esther, maybe you are in the place that you were in for such a time as this, but if you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else. Whether I use God's name or not, it is going to be done because in Mordecai is that faith in a sovereign God. Here's the amazing thing. Esther steps out that shy, obedient, complacent child had the courage of faith that compelled her to do what was right. Folks, our world right now is truly a world in hurt. Many of us are distracted almost to the point of breaking. Perhaps some of us are throwing caution to the wind or giving up things that that we thought we would never have to give up in terms of relationships or care, Uh, we're we're maybe even confused if anything is ever going to be okay. Esther could also have just let somebody else take care of the situation. But she does two things. First, she tells the people to fast, as she also will fast. Again, this is what the tradition of the Old and New Testament, when you're not sure, fast, pray, spend time with God, get ready for whatever it is that God has. So prepare. And it is again, the language of courage and conviction. And then she promises to go to the king, even if it is against the law. And with these words, she said, and if I perish, I perish. She's been changed. She's decisive, she is determined. Although the name of God is not used, it is clear that the providence of God is at work. She is willing to risk it all for her people because Mordecai has asked her to. Again, Philippians comes back to mind here. Paul talks about what he had before, before he knew Christ. It's all garbage, it's, it's nothing. That's nothing for what I have gained in Christ and found in him. Not having, Paul says, a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I see that in the story of Esther. I see the way in which she is courageous. I see the way in which she is stepping out and trusting. I believe God calls each of us to be courageous in faith, to allow that confidence we have in God and that hold on our life to do what is right at all costs. Now, by the way, if you read further in in the book of Esther, she does go to the king. He receives her. Uh, Haman is vanquished. Mordecai is raised to a new level. All the Jews are saved. She risked it, she was willing. She was courageous. Now, Pastor Jack has often talked about FOMA. So I'm stealing right from you, Pastor Jack, thank you very much. FOMA, that fear of missing out. We don't want to miss anything. But I've learned in this pandemic time that um, so many things have been suspended, or postponed, altered, or reconfigured, that Whatever we thought we were going to do, we have missed out on some of our plans, without a doubt. That's not like changing forever, but it has been different. And there is this fear of missing out, but those temporary things are not the things that I am referring to. That's not the FOMA I have in my pocket. My fear is that I won't trust God and that I will miss out on the Lord's call to have courage and do his will, especially for such a time as this. This, I know, God will take care of us. As followers of Jesus, for whom we have indeed considered all else, our fear of missing out should not be for the engagement of the things of the world, but, that we might make excuses or hesitate or lack courage to respond to the call of Christ, which compels us to do his will, especially in a time such as this. Now, I'm not Martin Luther King. I am not Mother Teresa. Most of those folks were on a path. They had an idea of where they were going and God just called them for a time when hope and love and justice was most needed. Their lives went a different path than what they had originally thought, but they went gladly as people of faith, courageous. Our world is hurting, and I am one called to be obedient through Christ, as each one of us is called to be obedient and have courage to follow Christ in all things. Here's my last point. Do not miss out on doing what is right. Live righteous lives and help change the world. Brothers and sisters, help change the world for kingdom's sake, amen.
2: One important way that we respond to God's word is by affirming our faith. Let us do so with the words of the Scots Confession, the words of which will be flashed on your screen. Please join our family in responding with a people's part. There are works which are counted good by God. The one is done to the honor of God, the other to the profit of our neighbors, and both have the revealed will of God as their assurance. To have have one one God, to worship and honor him. Him, to call upon him in all our troubles, to reverence his holy name, to hear his word and to believe it, and to share in his holy sacraments, belong to the first kind, to honor father, mother, princes, rulers, and superior powers, to love them, to support them, to obey their orders, if they are not contrary to the commands of God, to save the lives of the innocent, to repress tyranny, to defend the oppressed, To keep our bodies clean and holy, to live in sobriety and temperance, to deal justly with all men in word and deed, and finally to repress any desire to harm our neighbor, are the good works of the second kind. And these are most pleasing and acceptable to God, as he has commanded them himself.
0: So what do we do now? I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to fast, to ask God to use you, to ask God to give you a courageous faith that compels you to risk it all to make the righteousness of Christ known to the world. Now, brothers and sisters, Go forth into the world and be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now, and always. Amen.